0: So we're in Ephesus. I hope you are studying Ephesus. I, I have read this book, couldn't tell you how many times, preached it, I don't know how many times. And yet, I gotta tell you, the deeper I get into this, the more excited I get about how this really is such an amazing study. And remembering that it's only 10 years between the book that we're reading here and Jesus commenting in Revelation about this church having left his first love. And what does that mean, left their first love? Because he commented them on some amazing stuff. Those guys could could see a false teacher from a mile away. Uh, They were willing to come against error in any form that it came. And yet, in the busyness of their desire to be theologically correct, they were missing out on what it was to have that intimacy and relationship with the Father. And so here we are today, and, and we want to be so careful that that's not what happens to us. Because, you see, they were in this city called Ephesus, and it was a horrible place. And we're in a world today that is, as we can see, is migrating more and more and more away from God. And we're called back to remembrance that we are the light and the salt. And we're the ones that God has placed in this time in history to make the difference in our world and all that God is doing. So let's look at the scripture in chapter 2. But God, see what it does, that's actually in the scripture in one of the translations, because it talks about how we are so far from God, but then how God revealed Himself, proved Himself to provide for us everything that was necessary for us to have a relationship and an intimacy with him so let's look at what the scripture says and you were dead in your trespasses and sins now think about that for a moment before you came to know Jesus Christ you were what dead how many of you ever been around a ah, sounds a little morbid how many have yeah, you ever been around a dead person Okay. Well, guess what? Before Jesus came into your life, you were dead. Now, the question is, what were you dead to? And the, the answer is, you were dead to the things of God. Now, think about that. The Holy Spirit of God had to stir something in your life for you to even have an interest in the things of God because prior to that all of us were dead in our trespasses and sin look what he describes it in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience he's saying that's where we were that's where we were And we were living this life that was so anti-God. And we weren't, it doesn't mean that we were the ones out there, you know, just doing all the damage. But God is looking at your heart. He's looking at my heart and he knows the true condition of who we are. And he says, you were what? You were surrendered to the enemy. Who's the enemy? The enemy is Satan. And you were doing his bidding, whether you knew it or not. Because anything contrary to God is in submission to the enemy. So now think about that. So here we were. We were dead in our trespasses and sins and dead to the things of God. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, the very... Na- by the and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. The rest of what? The rest of the world. So we were no different. So let's let's examine that, and let's use an illustration from the Old Testament. There's a fellow by the name of Lot. He was the nephew of Abraham. Abraham was the father of faith. Father of the nations. But here's... Lot, who'd been traveling with Abraham. And they decide to settle down. And he settled down in a community called Sodom. Now, Sodom was a (laughs) terribly (laughs) wicked place. And it wasn't that Lot was just, you know, visiting occasionally. He was there. In fact, it says in the scripture, he was sitting by the gate, which meant he had risen to some level of prominence in the community. He was looked upon as a leader in that community. But that community had a horrible, horrible sin. What was it? Homosexuality. Thank you. And so God, you know, we can say we want to buy our world and and how that is. God says no. So God says to Abraham i'm just gonna wipe it out i'm done with it and abraham goes in this bargaining prayer with god and says well god if we if there was a hundred righteous men there would you would you let it you know not destroy it and and he keeps working he gets down to 10 and god says sorry abraham there's not even 10 righteous men in that whole city i'm going to destroy it well then would you please at least help my nephew who is there and so God sends two angels. And he showed the depravity of this city called Sodom. These two nice looking guys walk into town. And all the guys in town say, ooh, fresh meat. And Lot takes the angels into his home. And the men of the city, it says, from the young to The old surrounded his house and demanded to have sex with the two angels they didn't know they're angels they just thought they were good-looking guys and lot to show you how doggone messed up he was he says no that that would be wrong instead why don't i give you my two virgin daughters and you can have your way with them Does that in any way sadly reflect some of what we're seeing in our world today? I know I'm painting a bleak picture. I'm doing it on purpose. And finally, the angels strike the men blind. Now, this is, this is where it gets really incredible. Incredible. The angels strike all the men of the city blind who are trying to invade Lot's home so he, they can have sex with these two men, these two angels. And it says it says, in their blindness, they're still trying to get in the door. They're physically blinded and all, they're so consumed by their lust that they're trying to get in and still rape these men. Formally, it says you were like that. Now, that doesn't mean we're that far off in that particular realm. That's not what it's saying. But it's saying that our flesh is what is what was ruling us. You know, we want what we want. We want it now. We want it the way we want it. And so often, we really don't care who it affects and how badly it affects them. In fact, a comment that Sheila found in one of her devotions this week says this because it really says something so very strongly to us today. Compromising Christians spread their disease quicker than any other kind. One backslider exerts an influence over the community that is tenfold worse than the influence of a hundred sinners who have never been saved. Let us sink in. What are we saying? We were like that. We were like that. But God, <laughs> there's the good news. And you guys are starting to look a little weary there for a moment. <laughs> but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he loved us when, even when we were like that. But think about us in the flesh. I want it. I want it now. So sadly, we will compromise our faith, our life, our relationship with God by how we do life. We'll cheat. We'll steal. We'll lust and think, well, it's okay because I'm living in the grace and mercy of God. Well, (laughs) yes, that's true. It is true but god being rich in mercy because of his great love his great love what that transcends our sin and transgression and makes us alive together with christ by grace have you been saying by grace by grace i do not deserve the salvation that i truly enjoy and neither did you for by grace this unmerited favor that god provided and revealed through the giving of his son death burial and resurrection by grace you've been saved saved from what saved from that life so i don't have to live that life anymore save from that life that is totally given to the flesh and to the enemy And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of the grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Wow! Again, as we're reading through this particular book, as we're talking about the lives of the people that Paul is writing to, as we see the things that are being revealed by the Holy Spirit through this whole process, we were those who were dead in trespasses and sin, and now we're those who've been raised up with Him and seated with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's like the fellow who walked into a pastor's office and there's a little sign on his desk it said, Keep looking down. He said, Wait a minute, I thought we are always supposed to say, keep looking up. In fact, Marilyn McQuilkin, whose husband was the president of Columbia Obama College when I went there, she had a radio program called, keep looking up. And so here on this desk is, keep looking down. And the guy said, well, you know, it says in the scripture that we're seated with him in heavenly places. Oh, you guys didn't get that, I can tell. Okay, moving on. The point is, every day that you and I get up, every day that you and I breathe oxygen, God has done, but God has done this amazing work of mercy and grace and raised us up and seated us with Christ in heavenly places that in the ages to come, we can reveal the riches, the riches. See, that's, isn't that the, the battle now in our physical world? You know, who's going to get it? Who's going to control it? Who's going to have the most of whatever it is? But his riches, we talked about last week, and we talked about the power of God, that no matter who it is in this world today, no matter how much power they have, no matter how much wealth they have, it doesn't matter. The riches that God gives us, the power that God gives us, is greater than all of that, the problem is, we don't live there. I am not the name and claiming. that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about living in this intimacy with Christ, and that gives us relationship with the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit, and therefore we will not compromise our lives with Him. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a what? it's a gift what did you do you received the gift that's it not as a result of works now see here's the thing here's where people get confused in church particularly because around here I tell you everybody here's supposed to serve it's that simple if you're here serve it's the body of Christ you're here serve he's the head serve so It's not the results of works. Because if it were the result of works, guess what we'd be doing? We'd brag, be bragging on us. We'd be telling everybody, look what I did. Look what I'm doing. <laughs> That's not what this is. Now, once you have been saved by grace through faith, you will serve because your heart will be what? One of the signs of having left your first love is lack of gratitude. And so one of the things that will happen to us because we are in that first love is we will demonstrate gratitude, not just with our lips, but with our actions as well. We will serve. And, and, and that doesn't mean just serving in this building. It doesn't mean serving just in these ministries. It means serving him wherever we are in whatever endeavor we might be, whatever He's placed us in. For we are his workmanship. Oh, this, this, if this doesn't get you excited, you got an exciting problem. Let me tell you what another translation says. Now, think about this. First of all, if you understand the scripture and you understand how it applies to us today, to whom is this speaking? Somebody say to us. To us. Okay, good. You got it. Okay, good. For we are what? We are his masterpiece. Oh, sweet. Did you get up this morning and say, well, God, thank you. I'm your masterpiece. Did you go look in the mirror? You know, your hair is all ruffled. Ladies, no makeup. Gentlemen, needing to shave. And you looked in the mirror and said, Hallelujah, I'm a masterpiece. We tend not to do that, but I love that translation. For we are his masterpiece, listen now, we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. In other words, this is not a one-shot deal. This is as God saves us from our death in self Satan and sin, and moves us into life that we have in Him, then it's not just for us to sit around and say, I feel good. I feel so good. No, no, no. He already had a plan before the foundation of the world for each of us that we're to carry out. And the really cool thing is that as we surrender to Him, it, it isn't about vocation, it isn't even about location. It's about the fact that I'm so intimate with him that what I'm going to do will be done because of him. What I'm going to say would be because of him. And so I'm carrying out the works. And we never know, we never know how and where he's going to do it because we don't care. We're just happy. This is what, it's the purpose See, the other aspect of our first love is walking out and living our purpose of creation. That's what God has done for us. Now, I have a little sign on my desk that says, where's the rub? Because I seem to find those occasionally. And so, I have a rub with this scripture. I love this scripture. I think this scripture is amazing when it says we're his masterpiece— we see the problem is for me, I've been in the ministry for almost 50 years. And sometimes what is happening in our lives and our church life isn't always what God says is his will and design and purpose. So where's the rub? How do we how do we and maybe it's okay, I'm gonna have this discussion with me and God. If you want to listen in, that's okay. But as I was discussing this, and Sheila and I were talking about it and we're praying over it, this scripture in 2 Peter came to mind for, I think, for her. And she shared it with me. So I'm in 2 Peter chapter 1. And you're going to have to look it up. Your Bibles, your devices, whatever. It says this. I'm in verse two, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord, seeing that he or his divine nature has granted to us. Now listen to this verse three, his divine nature has granted to us everything for life and godliness. Now, again, you got it this morning, you said, I'm a masterpiece. God created me. He created me with a purpose, with a plan. All that's been worked out before the foundation of the world. All I have to do is surrender to him. All I have to do is yield to him. All I have to do is obey him and watch how he does this. Does that mean that when you do that, that there's never going to be a problem, never going to be a difficulty? Oh, actually, it probably means the opposite. However, the way you handle it will be so, so different. So let's go on. Everything pertaining to life and Godliness. I'm in verse 3 of Second Peter chapter 1. Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious magnificent promises. In order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world of lust. We just talked about that in Ephesians chapter 2. For now, for this very reason also, now listen to this, we are his what? Masterpiece. We are his workmanship. For this, apply all diligence in your faith to supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing. I tried to find an image that would make sense to me and help me explain it today. So I, here's what I got. If it doesn't work, I'm sorry. Best I got. So God is a master painter. And let's say, According to the word that we just read, he has painted me as a masterpiece. But he he knows who he created. And so as I come in that relationship with him, bear with me because this illustration may break apart. I hope it doesn't. As I come in this relationship with him and I realize who I am in him. And how amazing it is that he has done what he's done. And I am who I am. But Peter says, and remember, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit too. He says, but there's some things that God wants to continue to enhance. And so it's, in my mind, the picture I got was, it's like the master artist comes, who is God. and he he looks at me as his masterpiece and he says i just want to kind of do some touch up <laughs> as it were you're a masterpiece but as i'm looking at your life as you walk through life as you do life every day there's this incredible deepening of work i want to do and and the reason I'm, I'm saying it as I am is because I think there are times when he comes to us in areas of moral excellence and true knowledge and comes to us about what it means to have self-control and perseverance and godliness And brotherly kindness and love for others. I think sometimes when he comes and says, you know, I just want to I wanna so deepen this in your life. I want this, I want this painting to be so much, so much more than it is. I want to be so rich and, and so full. And sometimes I think we just knock the brush out of his hand. Does that make sense to anybody but me? One person nod your head. That's all I need. I'm I can go from there. Okay. Thank you. Because here I am, I get up this morning and I'm a masterpiece. God says I am and he did that. But then he says this over here and, that's, and, and like I have I've got 50 years of observation. And God is so wanting the perfection of his artwork as it were to be revealed to his world. And it's us, it's us. So that in those moments when others are doing us wrong and they will when things are out of control in this world and they are that our response will be so absolutely different and people will be able to look at us and and see that that we're not being torn apart by those things we're not being destroyed by those things I mentioned, I think, last week that Sheila and I had attended a conference in uh, Asheville. And we're always looking for things, and we have amazing programs and ministries here, but always, is there something more, something better, something we can learn from and grow from? And this was really, I'm going to tell you, was really, really good. Uh, I would put it at the very top of anything I've been a part of in the last 50 years. And one of the things they did was in these, they, bro- they had segments, and in the segment they would have interviews with people uh, that they had videoed, and they would introduce the segment of that particular portion why, by letting us watch those videos, and one of them was, life comes at you, and that's true, life comes at you. You may not like it, but life comes at you. And so they had kind of the the normal stuff that would come at you. But then they went to the extreme and they had this, when I say this, please smile. They had this older couple, older than us, and they had videoed them. And the, the man starts out first. He says, life comes at you when the phone rings and it's the sheriff. And he tells you that your married daughter is deceased. That's life comes at you. He said, and then when you arrive at the scene and you're then made aware that your son-in-law has murdered your daughter. He said, we had to decide if this would destroy us or make us strong. Now, that was the most extreme example they gave in all their video introductions to that segment. But I am telling you, life comes at you. And in those times of life coming at you, I believe that's Father taking our hands with the brush and adding depth. And I'm not an artist, so my terminology is probably off. But adding value to what's already there. Because this couple went on to say. We are amazed at how many people we have been able to minister to. Because of the tragic loss of our married daughter. Now pray to God that never happens to any of us. But life is coming at us. Our world is in rebellion against God. And we're the light. And we're the salt. The next two verses in Second Peter chapter one, verses ten and eleven. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. It didn't say things, but you won't stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, will be abundantly supplied to you. Is that not amazing? That you're going to leave here today, whether you knew it or not when you came in, that you are God's masterpiece. Now, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ, and you don't know what it means to have that relationship with him, And I can promise you that we'll have some folks down here at the end of the service that will be here to pray with you and pray for you and minister to you. Whatever your circumstance or situation may be. But think about this. We're his masterpiece. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Think of all the excuses we made for our conduct that is contrary to God, to his word, to his will. It's one of the things I'm, I'm kind of grateful for at my age. I don't have any more excuses. I can't say I don't know it. I can honestly confess I did it. That's called confession, repentance, and turn from it. But you're his masterpiece. <laughs> I just thought of a picture. Some of you guys, I'm sorry, I'm going to pick on you a little bit. I can see it right now. When your wife points one of your flaws that somehow remained hidden all this time, you're going to say, but oh, darling, you don't realize I'm a masterpiece. (laughs) Well, you are. You are. So my admonition to you and to me would be this. Let's live it. We are his masterpiece. Let's live it. Let's live it as life comes at us. Let's live it as we celebrate the fact with incredibly grateful hearts that we were dead in our trespasses and and sin and he brought us into new life in him and how amazing that is and what a blessing it is. Would you stand with me please as I lead us in prayer. God we love you. Thank you that we don't have excuses anymore. Thank you that you have done for us everything that's needed for us to have life and godliness, every purpose, everything you can think of. Lord, we celebrate it, we celebrate it, we celebrate it. How good you are! How good you are! Think of what you did for us, God. Think of how you make this work for us, God, in our everyday life. We are so grateful. Let us each one get up every day and thank you for all that you've done for us and all you're doing for us. In Christ's name, amen.